Welcome to Rhythm, Routine, and Reverence, the podcast that inspires parents and caregivers to craft and create a nourishing and nurturing home that supports the entire family, head, heart, and hands. Hey, so before I start this episode, I just wanted to share that Winter in the Home is still open for enrollment. This is the final installment of my seasonal systems courses. It guides parents and caregivers through the process of creating a family rhythm that feels nurturing, nourishing, and especially at this time of the year, that feels like cozy and warm and helps everyone to feel into this like huga sense in the winter season. So if you want to learn more about it, you can go to store.meganrosewilson.com and I'd love to see you in there and start planning with you. Now, today's episode brings in this idea of the systems and the organization that we do in order to create more space for ourselves Uh, in a busy family home. It's become more and more apparent to me as a parent of four who are now almost nine, 10 and a half, 13 and 15, that I need time for myself and to fill myself up in order to serve everyone else. And I know that's so cliche, and some of you might be thinking, how have you only just figured that out? I mean, I knew it, I've always known it since my first was born that I really needed to focus on what brings me joy and presence and centers me in order to then show up fully for him. But it's one thing to understand this in concept and another thing to really live it in practice. And so I wanted to share today some of the ways that I am making more space for myself, especially in this slower, darker season. So starting with my systems, yes, there is this way that I organize myself and our home. In order to make more space for myself, I create these family systems. And I've had them since uh, my children were really little. So some examples are, I do a load of laundry almost every day. I put the load on, I put it in the dryer, and then I put it in the basket. And at some point during the day, I don't really put a time frame around it. I fold it and put it away. Now, when my kids were younger, I would often just like fold it while they were playing in the afternoon. Then when they started going to school, I knew that after school, they'd be really tired and fussy because they were young and overstimulated. So I'd make sure that I folded it and put it away before they got home from school. And then now that all of my children are in school and they're older and they have just a lot more energetic stamina, I don't feel so much pressure to get it all done while they're at school. And some days I leave it like today for when we all get home around 5 p.m. and dinner's cooking or maybe right after dinner while they're getting ready for bed, I'll fold it and put it away. Sounds really mundane and silly, but I know that so many of you like me, for for so many of you like me, laundry is just one of those mental load pieces that's like always there. It's consistently, it consistently needs to be done. 
and someone needs to do it. And of course, there are families that um, share the laundry. There's families that do the laundry only on weekends together, maybe in your family or partnership, someone else is completely in charge of laundry. But I know for a lot of people, it's one of those daily grind tasks, just like making meals and cleaning meals and unloading dishwashers. That is just, it's never ending. And it's kind of always in the back of your mind until it's done. So that's one system that I've created so that I know I'm never completely overwhelmed by a mountain of laundry that's going to be haunting my weekend. Another system I have is is always going to bed, or at least, sorry, always holding strong boundaries at bedtime for myself and for my children. So even though I have two teenagers now that often want to kind of reset and connect later on in the evening, it's uh, a little bit more on my terms too. I'm not just completely catering to them. So when my children were really young, we had strong bedtime rhythms. Everyone went to bed around 7 or 7.30. And then like that time from 7.30 onward was just for myself. I made sure that any domestic tasks that I wanted and needed to be done were done before 7.30 or before I put the children down so that as soon as they were asleep, that time was for myself. Now with older children who kind of put themselves to bed and have their own schedules, it's a little bit more of a dance, but I still have strong boundaries. I'm usually still in bed by 7.30 and they might come into me and have a little talk or a chat, but I'm not downstairs all of a sudden helping them with, I don't know, some cooking homework that they had to do, whatever it is. Like everyone knows that that 7.30 and beyond time is my time. I'm there and I'm available, but only partially. What else? I have strong routines and rhythms around just like seasonal transitions, like going through the household, like all of the seasonal clothing and bringing things up from the basement and then bringing things back down. Like, so that transition from summer clothing into autumn, winter clothing, those are routines that I've had for, for many, many years. And I have my systems and we have seasonal boxes with uh, our seasonal picture books and uh, decorations in them that we bring up and down each season. So all of those little systems just help me to um, manage the domestic tasks and chores that are always coming up and to kind of use my time more efficiently. And what that does is make more space for my own like unique self-care time or whatever you want to call it, just my own endeavors, my my business, my individual needs that are outside of the family and home. The more systemized a lot of those regular daily routines and tasks are, the more clear I am about where there are little spaces in the day or in our season or in our week that I can claim for myself with like self with a capital S. And so with all of that said, Yes, there is this kind of like, you might want to call it like a type A personality or um, like an organized kind of person who efficiently like organizes and structures all the different parts of the day and the week and the season. And it's just like really intentional with their time in order to guard those other little pockets of time for herself. 
But there is also another softer part of me that I am trying to make more room for, to give more space to. And this is like more of a fluid, it's almost like a spontaneous part of me because this like organizational person who can be really systems oriented is also quite like can be quite rigid. And it just, it, it feels like harder. Like you can hear like those, those straighter edges in when you structure a day and you put a specific time into a calendar, like there's these boxes or these check marks or (laughs) checking off all the tasks, right? Like it's a very, if you want to even describe it as like a masculine way of thinking and going about your day, which has all its benefits as I've listed and as have served me over the years. But there's also a part of me that is yearning to be a little bit more fluid, a little bit more soft, slower is a word that I'm really like trying to connect with and and understand sweeter. So it's just like almost like savoring moments and not rushing because also when we are adhering to schedules and meeting everybody's needs and different time constraints, there's this sense of rush that is really hard to avoid. And so lately, and especially for winter, I find slowing down and connecting a little bit more with that like more feminine side of me is something that I am trying to do. And it's tricky for someone like me and probably very relatable for a lot of you listening. So I wanted to share also some of the ways that I'm trying to bring in that other part of myself a little bit more to honor that other other way of being in the world. And these are some of the ideas or some of the things that I've been working with just lately. So the first is knowing that I can just sit down and have a cup of tea and the world's not going to fall apart. I recently went to Salt Spring Island to visit a friend and have like a four-day weekend with her. And we chatted about all sorts of things. But her temperament and personality is, is so different than mine. And the thing that she just kept repeating over the four days is, we've got time. We've got time. And I, my whole body almost like tensed every time she said it. I thought, oh my God, we don't have time. Like we're going to be late for this. We're going to miss that. We're not going to be able to do this that we said we would do, but I just went with her and her energy. And of course we didn't, we did not have time. We did miss those things, (laughs) But, but it didn't matter. And we enjoyed the time that we had together and it, it kept me so much more in the moment with her just saying so relaxed in her relaxed way, we have time. And so I really thought at the end of that, that four day weekend that I would bring that idea back to myself and even if, or back home. And, and even if I, if I didn't bring anything else back from the trip, just that idea that I could sit and have my tea and not rush and that I had enough time to do the things that really needed to be done, that energy and that approach would be so helpful for me this entire season. So I've really tried to keep that in mind. I also find that really making 
setting the intention to read in the evenings instead of being on my phone and scrolling has also slowed that sense of time. Being on our screens and and scrolling and kind of being entertained in that more passive way, it does help us escape from the stress of the world and to kind of decompress and like numb, not not necessarily in like a negative way, but just to to have a break essentially. But at the same time, I don't think our bodies are able, or at least my body isn't able to like completely reset. My nervous system isn't always, yeah, it's just not resetting. It's not coming to into like that parasympathetic state when I'm going from one task to the other all day. And then I just flip right onto my phone. Whereas I find that reading something that I enjoy, especially fiction, I find I'm a little bit more drawn. I usually almost always read nonfiction, but in the winter, I'm a little more drawn to fiction. It just leaves a little bit more spaciousness. And also the other big thing with reading is that you tend to, before bed, you, you tend to get quite sleepy after even just a few pages. And if you you really are tired and you need that extra sleep, as we often do in the, the dark winter days, you will get really sleepy and you won't be able to read anymore. And you'll know that the next step is to just turn your light off and go to bed. And I find when I read before bed, I go to bed a lot earlier as a result. And because I go to bed a lot earlier, I get a lot more sleep than I I normally would. And that sets me up for just a better day overall. So it's it's a pattern that I really try to honor. And I'll share in the show notes the book that I'm reading right now, a fiction. It's like a series. And also I really enjoyed a series of short stories by Sharon, Dr. Sharon Blackie. I can't remember what it's called, but I'm going to share that in the, the show notes as well. And I actually listened to that on Audible and it was I just absolutely loved it. Some other things I'm doing, oh, you may have seen in Instagram that I've been sharing photos of having coffee at sunrise outside. So it's, I mean, it's basically dark. The sun is just coming up because it's quite late in the morning when I take those photos, like somewhere between 7 and 7.30. My children leave, my husband drives them to school and my children leave around 730, 740 to get to school. So when I have that coffee outside, they're still home, which means that I need to really let go. Like I need to know that the lunches are packed, they're in their bags, that breakfast is like mostly set up for them to serve themselves, and that everything is kind of chugging along enough that I can confidently sit outside. It's only three or four minutes. It's very cold here. And just take that three or four minutes to breathe that cold air, drink my coffee, take in a little bit of sunlight. And also it's really nice because even though it's outside and it's cold, it's like very quiet, which is quite a stark contrast to what's going on inside at that time of day. And that moment has been really informative for me. Of course, it's been beautiful and kind of meditative, but really what, what it's taught me more than anything is that I can step away and things will still kind of be accomplished and still kind of run mostly on schedule. And me taking three or four minutes out of that morning routine isn't, it doesn't mean that the whole world is going to crumble. And I think as mothers, we so often take on this like narrative in our heads that if we let go just even a tiny bit, like everything will fall apart. And 
And if we practice taking those little micro moments for ourselves, and even in like the heat of an intense morning routine like that, we start to realize that actually everyone in our family is a little bit more capable than maybe we're giving them credit for. And also everyone in our family will start to adapt to the possibility that you aren't the only one that has to tick all those those boxes and and make sure that everything is going smoothly and as planned. They can start taking a little bit more responsibility for themselves. So it's been just one of those those micro lessons in learning that you can take moments for yourself and your family will be fine. <laughs> what else? I think two more things. So we have been, my partner and I have been consistently communicating about delegating chores, just like especially our default tasks, those default things that that we both took on when my first child was born and we didn't really communicate about. And so we've we've made those a lot more, we, we've just like, defined all of those tasks that he does and that I do that we never really talked about. We've named them, we've labeled them, and then we've looked at how perhaps can he take on a few more of those default roles and how much time do each of those take. And so some examples are he's now taken on the task of going through all the school emails and writing any important dates or anything like that into our calendar and talking to me about it. He's, as I've mentioned, probably for, I don't know, like, I can't remember if we started before the summer or after. I think it was before the summer. He started cooking all the meals on the weekend. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's taken such a, actually like more of a mental load than anything. Yes, it it's it frees up my time on the weekends, but also just not having to think about cooking meals for those two days uh, makes such a big difference. And I'm able to focus a little bit more on what we're going to have over the week and order the right things for that and start prepping. So that's been really helpful for us. We split up our morning chores a little bit more equitably. So he's putting the laundry on instead of me and making beds or helping, encouraging the children to make their own beds. So just like it, they're so small, these little tweaks. I mean, maybe the the weekend meals isn't isn't so such a small <laughs> change, but just even tweaking the smallest part of your routine and giving a little bit more to your partner if you feel like you're carrying so much of that domestic load, it makes such a difference. And it's not just like it's taking that load off of you. I actually feel like it built our partnership more and created more of like a a connection between us and appreciation. There's less resentment. There's more clarity and communication about what jobs need to be done. And yeah, I just overall, I think we feel more connection and understanding with each other because we've had to communicate so clearly about these little role changes. And then the final thing I was going to say is there's just this element of letting go. And the winter is this time of really letting go. We are kind of, if you want to get kind of spiritual or esoteric about it, we're we're spiraling into this like darkest night that's approaching actually in just two days from when I'm recording this, the winter solstice. And 
It's when we really have to put like our faith and trust into something totally unseen. Or if you think about the natural world in the Northern Hemisphere, especially far north where we are, the ground is just blanketed with snow. Everything is frozen. There are seeds deep in that earth that are waiting to germinate and and sprout and produce fruit months from now. But right now they're there and they're dormant, but there is this like hope and promise of life laying like dark, deep within that, that darkness. And and so I feel in so many ways that winter winter is this time where we are given an opportunity to let go of what's not serving us and to just sit in the emptiness, in the um, potential of things without doing, without taking action. There's no, there's not life yet. Like that energy is vibrating, but it's not, it hasn't become yet. And so how can we embody that ourselves, that sense of like letting go of everything and just letting things be. And so to just bring you right out of that uh, spiritual picture, the letting go for me today is looking at my daughter's room and she didn't not make her bed at all. And her room's a bit of a mess. And you know, that more masculine type A part of me wants to just go in there and clean everything up and make it just so, but I'm trying to let go of little things like that. Uh, my dogs have been in and out all morning. It just snowed and their paws are filthy and there's paw marks all over the floor. And I'm again, probably going to let go of that just tonight because it's just not on my list of priorities. And I certainly don't want to be up past 7.30 downstairs mopping when everyone's unwinding and I'd rather be reading in bed. So that's the the choice I'm going to make. So there's just these opportunities if you can really sit with them. And when you have younger children at home with you, I think I think we are presented often with the opportunity of letting go because we just can't meet everyone's needs all at once. So there are probably moments all through the day where you have to let go of something. I don't know, crayons on the wall or <laughs> spilled milk on a carpet or whatever it is. Um, because you you just cannot get to all of the things when those those busy little hands are running around and need so much care and attention. So that is definitely a practice for the younger years. Maybe you just need to take note of those little moments that you are letting go and give some appreciation and some grace to yourself in those moments. Because I know we we put so much pressure on ourselves to get everything just right. And when we aren't doing all the things just so we can be really self-critical and hard on ourselves. So maybe this is the season to just take note of the things that you are letting go of and appreciate that in yourself and that you're able to prioritize what really matters. So yeah, I hope this was a different perspective on letting go this season on embracing that darkness and making more room, most importantly, for yourself and your identity as a parent, as a caregiver, as a homemaker, but also just as your own unique self in this world. And I'm wishing you a beautiful winter. And again, if you want to learn a little bit more about 
the systems that I use in order to create strong family rhythms and routines. Winter in the home will be open for another few weeks. We also delve into how to look at your family traditions and really examine whether they are meaningful to you and whether some of the traditions or the rituals that you have around certain holidays, whether it's Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah or Valentine's Day, all of those like winter holidays, or if I haven't listed one, any really, how do you celebrate and why do you celebrate that way? And do you want to continue to celebrate that way? So we we work a lot on that. There's a section on self-care in the course. There's also a section on the importance of warmth, not only physical warmth, like wearing woolen sweaters and always wearing a hat outside, but also just like what does bring you warmth in this season? Because as the spring approaches, we do really need that heat to start generating energy and shifting into that new seasonal gesture, which is very different in the spring. And then there's also some winter stories. There's a lot of links to beautiful stories that you can tell to your children and also for yourself. And there's lots more in there. So I would love to see you in there. There will be two live coaching calls through the through January and I think in March. And it's it's just a tool that you can use to help kind of ground and root you in how you want this winter season to feel for you and your family. So yeah, wishing you a beautiful season. If I can get this up before uh, the holidays for all of those who celebrate, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you found it inspiring or helpful, please share it with friends and family or subscribe. If you're looking for information and inspiration, head to meganrosewilson.com.